Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is concept of crafting. Witchcraft contains the word craft itself, and to craft is to make something. Many people connect this word to arts and crafts or other hobbies that are not necessarily important or something you do when you have some spare time. We are choosing to reclaim it as a way to describe what we do. The guilds of old were where one went for training in a particular art. First one became an apprentice and began learning the basics of how to create something special. After much work and study, you moved up to the rank of journeyman and were often sent out into the world to create works as practice. Finally, you might be elevated to full membership in the guild itself when you had mastered almost all the aspects of this type of creation. This was a lifelong process and many never advanced to this final level. To us, crafting is what we are doing in our current spiritual practices. We craft rituals and spells and liturgy for the path itself and to create our great work, which is personal transformation into the best possible individuals we can become. We are journeymen because we are constantly working on our craft, refining the processes we learn and use for spiritual growth and change. We do not consider ourselves masters at our craft because that would require a perfection beyond our human limitations. Hey, Dave. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you today? Oh, better, you know. Little physical strides, which are making me feel more like a person. <laughs> Anything else is TMI for a podcaster, a listener out there to hear. But, you know. Well, as a person who has spent some time in my life before in a cast or in a sling or on crutches, I understand those days when you get to be able to reach places that you couldn't reach before. And those are minor victories in the healing process. I think well, that's what you're talking it, about. Some days it feels like a major one because, you know. Yay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for, for me, with shoulder injuries, it's if, if I can reach my arms above my head in the shower and wash my hair, it's a good day. There you go, exactly. And today we are talking about? The concept of crafting. Crafting, okay. When you think about it, we have witchcraft, spellcraft, ritual craft, blah, 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 blah. You know, lots of people bandy that word around. And in general, if you look up a meaning, it means to make something. Right. You know? I think... I think nowadays, especially with such a huge crafting boom in our Western culture and craft stores and craft fairs and craft parties, I think sometimes our modern culture tends to see craft as a noun. Yes. And what we're talking about here is craft as a verb. Crafting. Building something, um, musician, you know, as an example. Um, and you talk about in here the the concept of apprentice and journeyman and master and so on. This this has been this way for a long time, um, where and some of our names even. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stumble there, but some of our names even, you know, like Chandler. I just happened to be seeing a news item. Um, about Mr. Perry. Um, Chandler originally was the candle maker for your village, and Smith was the guy who knew how to bend hot metal. And so uh, even our culture recognizes that crafting or taking up a craft is an act of a lifelong dedication of doing something for some purpose. And to get better at a skill. And witchcraft, if nothing else, is a skill at times. Sure. It it requires certain skills and a certain knowledge base, which is where the apprentice piece comes in if you're going to be a witch. I would would dare to say, though, that it's a combination of 
that and art. I would agree. But when you, if we're taking it back to the idea of Chandler and smithing and so on, it was considered an art back then. Sure, absolutely. It was an art, and it meant something if you were moved from apprentice to journeyman in that respect. It I, meant I, you had learned enough about creation to warrant that title. Sure, sure. Um, I see that um, echoes of that still in modern culture in a lot of cases with, with like um, unions, where yeah. in a union you're an apprentice and then a journey and then a journeyman and then a master or what have you. You know, it, the same thing was true a thousand years ago when there were guilds. Oh, and yeah. There was the Armourers Guild, and there was the Scribes Guild, and there was the Chandlers Guild. And those members of that guild board were those people that had, quote unquote, mastered their craft. Yes. Um, and they were for the us, we just. Know. I'm sorry. They were also the ones who determined what you had to know. I hadn't thought about that aspect, but yep, you're right and chose they selected their apprentices in that respect sure sure you know, and established a curriculum and you know even even modern unions you know the carpenters union or the electrical workers union um i that's what i segued into that for is because i remember the day that i was handed my journeyman's certificate and that was a huge big deal for me. Um, in my case, I had spent 11 years both in the Navy and then in the shipyard mastering or learning or studying my craft. And now they wanted to put me out in the world on my quote unquote journey so that I could go make my art yes. for many, many, many years until I became a <laughs> master of the art. Oh, yeah. My grandson bringing up modern unions, has applied to be an apprentice in the Stonemasons Union. Yep. And they give you a specific, okay, there's a four-year specific apprenticeship in which time you are expected, they're going to pay him, but they is expected to learn certain curriculums each year. Absolutely, yep. A journeyman, which it requires a whole lot more study. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, he's building chimneys and laying bricks. It doesn't seem that complicated from the outside looking in. But when you think about it, it's almost like like the medieval guilds where if you were a member of a particular guild, you did not share your knowledge with outsiders. No, no, that was a, that was a collective of intellectual property that was shared with the guild. Exactly. So in this case, he's learning like almost like the secrets of the guild in that respect. I find it interesting. But to bring it back around to how we look at it as on the path, when you first discover witchcraft or it discovers you, I think that's kind of how that works sometimes, you have to get a certain basic knowledge of all kinds of things. And yeah, I think the the word that most people identify with that nowadays would be novice or newbie. Yes. newbie. Yeah. Well, and there are people who call them baby witches, which I find kind of patronizing. But yeah, a newcomer more than anything else. A new seeker. How's that? Someone who has not made the decision to commit themselves to the apprenticeship and the the years of work and dedication that it's going to take, right? Yeah, and then if you become an apprentice, you, you've made that commitment, for want of a better word. And then right. you open yourself up to all sorts of different kinds of studies. And if you're working with a specific group or group of people for whatever reason, there may be certain ways they do things that you learn or certain, for want of a better word, curriculum they want you to cover. Sure, sure. Um, here, here in my local area, I know there's a fairly, fairly large and organized, um, somewhat Victorian coven, and they literally have a suggested reading list. And there's, uh, I think they have a list of 13 steps that they do as an initiate to become an apprentice and so on. So yeah. there's, there's certainly carryover in the more organized 
more coven-centric kind of uh, witch community. Yes, and we use those words because we are not a coven. We are a we are a spiritual path, and I don't think you know member-wise, we never have looked for people to come practice with us per se. We we focus more on the idea behind it. So we're not telling you to go out and find a coven here if you want to be a witch or made that commitment to be a witch. You can study on your own. And believe yep. me, if you listen to that internal spark, it'll push you in the directions you need at the moment. I would call myself a journeyman pagan spiritualist. Yeah. I've never really been a joiner or a belonger in those kind of structured atmospheres for me, because what it does is it stirs up, stirs up echoes of organized religion. So for me, keeping it as solitary or at least internally centric as I can is just what's comfortable for me. But after doing that for 15, 20, 30 years, you become a journeyman in whatever it is that you are practicing. And you sort of rededicate that every single morning. I think so. And for me, I came when I first got into witchcraft, I needed that structure because I didn't know anything. And I was on the outskirts of a group, for want of a better word, and learning all kinds of things, which was great. You know, and it was allowed to participate enough that I got a taste for ritual. I think it's the best way to describe that. Sure, sure. Yep. Their particular, well, we'll keep it nice, their particular flavor didn't mesh with some of the things I thought. And I found like-minded people over the years and ended up with Sue. And we really kind of figured out that, yeah, we're basically solitaries who like together to get together to celebrate certain shit. Yep. And, and we'll go on our merry way. And that does not mean we are any less wishes or any less connected to people spiritually. Well, and and 20, I, 20 years and a half a dozen books later, you know, obviously you had a great idea. I like to think so. You know, <laughs> I, that's why we're sitting here trying to share it with the world as it were in a podcast and that is a continual practice of crafting because yes we've written stuff and yes we've done stuff and the basics are out there now we're getting ready to publish the last book of five that kind of cements everything sue and i kind of glommed onto from somewhere in the universe sure sure essentially the four books that would be your grimoire or your your book of shadows or book of this book of the seen and unseen just to, to give yeah. a little lead to next episode yeah exactly which is a whole another fun topic but the whole idea is as a journeyman person you're going out and practicing and you learn new stuff and you incorporate it and things change sure. and how you do things change and then it's a continual process. It's not like you create this and you stop. Right. You well, know, and, and Steve Steve Vai um, had, had an interesting quote in one of the interviews. He's a, a virtuoso. Um, I would call him a master of his craft and his instrument on, on the electric guitar. And he learned as a student from another great guitarist. And it was fascinating to me because it was an interview with the two of them. Oh, wow. And what he said was, 20 years later, if you are still playing guitar like your guitar teacher taught you how to play, you have not learned to play guitar. Makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? If 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, you are still doing your ritual exactly the same as you did. If you're in tradition, that's fine. But from my point of view, you haven't built any you into this. And so it hasn't become your craft. Or your tradition. Sure, absolutely. What he's saying okay. is, you know, add your own flair and build upon what you have learned or been taught in a curriculum. Have your own style, have your own sound, walk your own path. Yeah. And I think that's what we're saying here in this writing more than anything else is you have to figure it out. And yeah, being a journeyman is pretty awesome most of the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, know. absolutely. And I and I love when I when I visit. It's it's interesting that that comes up. But when I visit other groups um, for a you know a sabbat ritual or something like that, I shy away from playing the role of journeyman in other people's circles. I tend to prefer to be the acolyte or the apprentice when I am visiting someone's sacred. You know what but, I mean? Yeah, because you don't. We don't have the right to come in and say, "Oh, you're not doing it right," because we do it this way. Well, no. What I'm what I'm saying is, I've been part of circle and had somebody say, "Well, you know, you've been doing this for years, so you should probably come up here and speak and this and that." No, no, that that's not what my journey is about. What my journey is about is visiting and learning how it is that you do things. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons I love listening to other people's other witches podcasts because they will interview people or talk about how they do stuff. Yep. And sometimes it just like, no, that's not going to be something I would ever think of doing. But sure. spark an idea in my head. Well, if I don't do it this way, how would I do it? Or how do I do it? And does it work for me still? Or do I need to maybe the reason it rubs me the wrong way? Is it something I should be doing? Kind of thing. Sure. You know, and, and that's where I find the greatest joy in listening to some of these people talk. And between all the comedy and the, the banter and they're, they want to share with other people what they do to spark those ideas, I think, a lot of the time. Well, like absolutely, it. absolutely. In a way, that's that's our form of um, congregation. Or journeymen meeting each other on the road. Sure, sure. A guild meeting. A guild meeting, in essence, yeah. Okay. Well, well, actually, when you talk about two journeymen meeting on the road, from my experience, that usually happens in a tavern, not at a guild meeting. But well, yeah, but th but that was what I meant. Those just you know everyday conversations, or for a cup of coffee, if that's your bent, or a tankard. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, yes, you know, but you know what I'm saying. Hey, it, I'm just taking this whole guild thing and running with it. Today. I love it. It, it seems to be my. I even broke down. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, a, a newbie or a novice would be someone who was looking into taking formal training on a topic. Yeah. Uh, a bachelor would be an apprentice. Okay, you've learned the basics and we can trust that you're probably not going to hurt yourself or the person to either side of you. So now you can start practicing by working with a journeyman. Yes. And the journeyman is a master's degree. Yeah. Even the, the 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 name doesn't align because we tend to see the master as what modern day would be a doctor is a master of their craft. And even then they're still practicing, but they're able to be part of the guild and like you were saying, establish the curriculum for the apprentices that learn after them. Yeah, I think so. And if it, and, and and to take the analogy further if they don't update the curriculum periodically, any they're not going to attract apprentices anymore. But B, the big book guild will become irrelevant. It'd be useless. Well, and and even my own my, myself in my circumstance um, in the mundane world is I got away from tech for three or four years because I was taking care of Susie and whatnot. Yeah. And so now um, I'm taking a handful of online certification courses right now because I know the best thing that I will be able to represent myself to a potential employer as a journeyman is here's some updated credentials that I've gotten over the last few weeks to demonstrate that I have tried to get myself up to date and refreshed and learned the new technologies and the new ways of describing things. So yes, in fact, I am updated on that curriculum. And you have taken personal initiative, which also looks good with sure, sure, sure. Just to carry it one step further, you know, and as a journeyman, you're we're required to do that, I think. Yep. We can get too settled in familiarity with our practice. Well, and especially, I mean, um, when I was a private pilot, you you have to recertify fairly frequently and you have to take medical exams and whatnot because you're going to be responsible for other people's lives. Yes, I think so. And 
who are we to say, and not to sound selfish, but our individual lives are just as important. And we forget that sometimes. So maybe part of that part of being a journeyman is taking care of ourselves and saying, yes, our, our spirituality is valuable. Are, part am, am I fulfilling my spiritual needs as I am trained to do? Yes. So then self-care is actually part of the part of the whole process of crafting is because you are crafting a new you anytime you are crafting anything else. Exactly. You and I were talking earlier about sitting on that leading edge of creation and just by being in that exhilarating spot, you are generating a new you in that respect all the time because you're exposed to that creative energy and that effortless flow that they talk about sometimes. Sure, sure. Sweet spot where it's all working. <laughs> you and, know. And it appears or its its sensation is that of effortlessness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of being a journeyman is finding yourself better able to, I don't know, find that effortless spot more easily. Access it more easily. Yep. Access it more easily and stay in it longer. I, I say say it that way only because I um, recently I've been stepping back up on um, some of my meditation practices, uh -huh. and I I believe that that space or for me I need to believe that that space is always there. It's just a me uh, a, a matter of me accessing it. Oh yeah, it's please. This is the leading end of creation from the divine of the universe who is always creating, so it's always there. Is right. I'm belief and like you said we need to find the spot within ourselves that allows us to slip into that flow yep, and, yep. By, and, and some days it's easy and some days it's not easy and that's part of what it is to be a journeyman in this craft i think so and if that journey, is journey person i should say but i know but semantics okay some stuff journeyman just rolls, i'm, I'm no. always up for semantics no but when you think about it journeyman just rolls, rolls better off the tongue than journey person sure and there's there's some history is i am all for words like mail delivery person or server instead of waitress and so on and so forth some words though have meaning deeper than semantics and changing them to sound politically correct. The journeyman. Sure. I'm a journeyman. I am not a man the last time I looked in the shower. You know, boy, I, I consider myself a journeyman. <laughs> but there's a history to the word that has weight to it. I so adore podcasting with you. I do, because every once in a while you'll do that to me. And now I'm trying to get rid of the picture of you in a shower with your arm in a sling. <laughs> yeah, but you, want, but you see what I'm You get the point. Oh, absolutely. Anatomy has nothing to do with certain words. Right. You know, and we need to get past that whole hot button. Oh, my God, it's not politically correct because it's not gender neutral sometimes. Well, get a step up above the general neutral, gender neutral. And yeah. just as a blanket statement, we seem to be right now as a culture pretty over obsessed with the minutia of yes. verbiage. Thank you. Um, I mean, it could be worse. We could be speaking Latin, but I don't remember how. Oh, God, I don't either. <laughs> Go there. Okay, let's just draw a curtain over that thought. But yeah, but you get the point. I mean, some words, words matter. I agree. You know, how we, and I think it's more how we view people as opposed to being gender neutrally correct in the words we use. You know, how about if we treat that server with decent respect because they're running around bringing you food? It was a fun experiment, um, just a, a funny anecdote that I tried about a week of just using the word human. Yeah. Uh, you know, be nice to this human or, yeah. People thought I was weird. <laughs> We're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was interesting when people said why why did you call me a human? 
because you are. Uh, be, because that is what you are, and anything more descriptive could be offensive to you. I don't want to call you a he or a she or a they. Or a, you are a human, and, and I recognize that you are a human being, and it's actually a compliment when I call you that. But boy, did some people, especially from my own generation, okay, look yeah. at me like, oh, yeah, okay, here's Mr. One of those. Yep. And when you think about it, because people, humans, tend to categorize everything, it's just a function of our brains. You're suddenly not categorizing correctly, and they're trying to make sure you're not in the stroke. Because I don't know. I could I could try another. I could try another week with person. That might be fun. Anyway, back to we're yeah. way off topic. Oh, that's okay. We go down the occasional rabbit hole. And I like that's part of the fun of it. I just want to make sure we covered the bases for, for that one person out there that might actually be following us through the book and and says, "Well, you didn't talk about this paragraph," so I'm just checking. You know. I think we covered it all. Finally, you might be elevated to full membership in the guild itself. I'm only going to call that phrase out because it would be a closing thought for me to say, elevate yourself to full membership. I think so, in that respect. Understand that, yep, you're here, you're listening to this, you're learning just like the rest of us, and you are a journey person or a journey human in your own spirituality. Yes, and I I worry about people who call themselves masters in any religion or whatever. Therein lies a cult, you know, and and it was never one master in a medieval. It was a collective. There was always more than one. Right. You know, it wasn't like there was one person who was in charge. It was like almost like a board. Even even Gandalf and Merlin belonged to guilds. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Thank you. That's a perfect way to say that. There was no one person in charge. So if you're out there and you're new or not so new and you run into somebody who says, I'm the master of something, a certain like a 10th degree karate belt, and then they're entitled to say they have mastered karate. Sure. I might be very cautious about what they want me to do or say or join. Sure. Okay. So I think that's a good spot to end that one before we go down another rabbit hole and start talking about old Bruce Lee movies or something. So with that piece. You knew where I was going, didn't you? I did. I could see it in your eyes. There can be only one. Yes. May you find mercy and robbery in all things today, and especially in this episode. While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and whats that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment Practices of the Path. This segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, oh my, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do with our magical practices. Hey Dave, how's it going? I'm well. How are you, Elizabeth? Um, This is our section where we loosely termed it the practices of the craft, which is where we talk about what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. What I do when I do what I do. Yeah. And we're doing incense. Yes, we are. It seemed appropriate to move from candle to incense, because if you're talking about stuff that seems to regularly show up on altars, and everywhere else, those two kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Absolutely. In fact, that's it's pretty rare for me anymore to do any sort of magic or observance or anything like that without either a candle burning or some incense going or both. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they just happen to be perfect correspondences for me for fire and air anyway. 
So, I mean, I have a little coat of incense that probably would not burn anymore because I've carried it around with me for seven or eight years in a little spell kit, and it is my representative for air. So, you know, everybody has their own uh, correspondences and whatnot, but there's always incense or candles going on when I'm trying to be spiritual. Oh, sure. Same thing for those of us on the path. And we have tried our hand over the years and have come up with our own blends that we use for, you know, solstices or equinoxes and so on and so forth. And I think everybody tries, hopefully, if you enjoy it, tries their hand at making it at some point. You know, I mean, we're not talking about making it more than anything else. What you but if you're going to make your own, one caveat. Anytime you have something new, even if it smells wonderful, try burning it and burn it outdoors somewhere first, because you never know. Something that really smells good initially may smell horrible when you burn it. Right. Yeah. Um, think of the smell of burnt hair and whether or not you would want incense out of it. Yeah. I'm going to um, I'm going to sort of stop or sidetrack us a little bit, only because. My experience has been, you just mentioned making incense. Mm -hmm. So my experience has been that a lot of people, when they hear that, they think of rolling sticky sticks in ground stuff. Yeah. I want to, during this little segment, give my little pitch or my little spiel or whatever you want to call it on why I so much like using actual resin and herb incense that I've ground myself over charcoal. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, a lot of people haven't uh, a lot of people haven't tried charcoal yet and it's something that in fact I'm going to put it on the list and I will do a monograph on all of the different methodologies and ways that charcoal can be used. Mm -hmm. and, and, and please let, let people know too when we're talking when you're talking about charcoal right now you're talking about those nice little round things of charcoal little not the briquettes that you burn in your barbecue right because there's a big difference in fact once we get these things onto youtube when i go back through and do the edits i'll uh, i'll put a link to a couple of common brands that that we're used to seeing um, but anyway, the reason that I wanted to mention that is because a lot of people aren't aware, a lot of people are aware that there are resins that can be burned on a burner or on charcoal. There are oils and there are herbs. Yep. But what isn't obvious to most people is what you and Susie and I have always done, and that's putting a bunch of a resin with a bunch of a herb or whatever into a mortar and pestle process and grinding it all up and blending it until you have somewhat a homogeneous mix and making different combinations. Oh. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to inherit your recipe book that you and Susie used. So now as I run out of, say, for example, solstice incense that I used up the last of last year i can go into the 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 path works and be able to recreate the proportions and grind that up and make it myself um so one of the reasons that i strongly recommend everybody try out charcoal burning is because like i say you can make mixes and matches um a lot of times when i grind something up just sort of on the fly if it's something that i like when I'm done, I'll make a little more or whatever in the mortar or pestle. And vast majority of the other people listening have some form of prescriptions that they get. An old prescription bottle is a perfect thing to store. So now I've got about 20 of them lined up along my shelf. Mm -hmm. Old prescription bottles work great because they're airtight enough to keep everything fresh and keep everything from dissipating. Yes. Um, the other part that I was going to bring up beyond what you can use on charcoal is the fact that for me it's a progression yeah. so i like the charcoal and in my own habit just to kind of give uh, people an idea generally i will once the charcoal is ready i will start burning with white copal mm -hmm. white copal for me 
originally seemed to open up, enhance my perception of auras and magical things. So I liked to use it at the beginning of my rituals because it put me in that state of mind. That makes perfect sense. And then oftentimes during the ritual or the working that I have, right on top of that copal that's probably just about done smoking on the charcoal, put something different. And so uh, during the working, I might have some sage or some lavender or something that I've ground up because I want a very bright, heady, quick, potent scent. And I use that to highlight or accent moments or transitions transitions in my ritual. Mm-hmm. And then I almost always close my rituals out with a few shavings of Palo Santo wood that I'll put on top of the whole mess. And so now I've been doing it long enough that not only does Palo Santo to me, when someone's burning at their home, when I walk in, the first thing I think is, I just missed ritual. (laughs) But the other thing is at least, oh God, I've got to say five or six times a month, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll be up in the, the living room, which is, has a sacred end to it where I do some of my work and I'll light an incense or a light of charcoal because I plan on using this incense and this incense and this incense to take myself on a bit of a, a progression. Mm-hmm. But I've doing been doing this long enough that a lot of times I'll light that charcoal and I'll walk away. And an hour later, I'll realize that there's a charcoal burned out that I lit. And what I learned from that is the scent of the warming charcoal itself is always the first in the sequence of what my body is used to. Mm-hmm. And then anything that follows that, usually I am in a somewhat calm, perceptive, balanced sort of space. And then Palo Santo sort of brings me out of it and back to the world. So at this point now, there are days when I'll light the charcoal and hope that I can catch it before it goes out to put a little Palisanto on it. And all I really needed is to know that I had lit a charcoal and made that little physical moment of, okay, I'm going to pay attention to my spiritual side while I'm working on whatever mundane. And so um, I, I laugh around my house that charcoal is actually an incense flavor because there are times when I burn it just for that scent. Well, that makes perfect sense. When you think about it, they, you know, neurologists and everything say our scent memory, S-E-E-N-T, is the most long-lasting in our lives. Well, and it provides real, real visceral, like childhood and everything else, because it hooks right into our lizard brain from before we grew eyes. Well, and and the other part is, too, they've done research with people with, like, Alzheimer's, who have reached, like, end-stage Alzheimer's, and they still respond to certain scents. That would make sense. Yeah, exactly. So, scent is important in... Yes, it's a mundane side of it, but it enhances the spiritual simply because we have that sensation of remembering, as you put it. You sure, know, sure. The charcoal, yeah. you, we set ourselves up. And the thing is, with, with incense, it can be used for all sorts of purposes. I mean, it's been used historically for thousands of years and worldwide. Yep. In fact, I saw a fascinating documentary here a few weeks ago about uh, a bunch of people on the couple of tribes of people that I believe were on the eastern east coast of Africa um, Uh along in one of those regions. There are families who have tended the same plots of land with the same grove of frankincense trees for five, six, seven, eight thousand years. Yeah. And uh, one of the most fascinating things about it was watching how they do it because they actually go up to a particular tree and they they perform a, a form of ritual or a form of blessing. They're having a conversation with this tree, just like, say, for example, a Native American would have that moment of conversation before they let the bow go um, with their, their prey animal or what have you. So they take a moment with the tree and then they slice a little star in the side of it. 
and they'll come back a few months later and that scar will have just sort of bled out all of this resin and that's that's the raw material that ends up at the end of whatever processing it goes through um that's what ends up with us yeah or as users and that's one of the reasons that i like to especially frankincense and hopeful and some of those that i know these are resins that came right out of a tree mm -hmm. um i i prefer those over others just because i can I can imagine in my head that there's less processing. This is this is closer to what it was when it came out of the tree. And I and I have to laugh because you keep mentioning white copal in Sue and I settled on that one as our resin of choice. Okay, if you want to put it that way, on the path because it comes from our hemisphere, at least, you know, our side of the planet. Okay south american yep. but it's a whole lot closer than say frankincense and myrrh which is over there mediterranean middle yep. east east african yep. you know and it's much and not and not for nothing it's not like in new york state we have anything local per se other than pine you i was gonna i was just thinking you know i burned pine resin and and even used it ground up in some of my incense blends so yeah, uh, pin, pinion is definitely a, a good fragrance oh i know but you're also talking to a woman who's allergic to pine so we kind of settled on copal okay i like to participate in the experience of ritual and not have to leave because i'm sneezing so badly that i can't pay attention you know just just you know, I can I can remember a discussion with my grandmother when I was about eight because one day I was sneezing so much in church and I kept telling her that I was allergic to those pews. <laughs> Same idea. Yeah, that works to me. You know, but you were talking about, you know, 5,000 plus years tending the same yep. tree. Humans have used sweeter smelling stuff to get rid of dis disagreeable odors and chasing away demons for at least that long or conjuring up spirits or talking to ancestors i mean there's there's something very oh, yeah. primitive of us of, of us watching the smells come off of a fire so to speak yeah it's the same idea and and incenses are great you can use them as color obviously because you were talking about you know putting different combinations of things together mm -hmm. There are thousands and thousands of lists out there of correspondences for herbs that you can use when you're creating an incense or to work with a certain energy, which is where the path tends to concentrate on yep. particular incenses because we have, you know, incenses for, like we said, winter solstice or to candle mass times and times. I will, I, will I will reiterate strongly something that Elizabeth um, said before and that is if you're going to try something a little bit out of the box or a little bit different with your incense you always try it in a fire pit in your backyard or at least someplace outdoor oh, spaces. i uh funny funny story but <laughs> I went through a I went through a conservation kick years ago and I saved a bunch of seeds from a particular hemp product that I used in ritual. Mm -hmm. And I saved these seeds and I saved these seeds and I told to my friends that I was saving them for a particular purpose. And so I got all of these people's energies together and I got an entire coffee can full and I ran them through a grinder and then I mortared and pestled them and I rolled them in some honey sticks. And I spent seven to 10 years somewhere gathering and about a year drying and processing all of this to find uh, out that pot seed incense smells exactly like burning pot seeds. And no, you don't want that in your home. <laughs> well, what is this? but you could also get some stuff that really smells horrible. I can't remember the one herb that Sue and I and the guy, we used to, Jeremy, we, we used to practice as before we got, no, not even before we got, we started the beginnings of the path, kind of. Yeah, yep. And we tried out different things. And you would think, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of in a closed in space because it was winter. So right. if you're going to try stuff, you need to be in a well ventilated space where yeah. you can have plenty of air to blow it away. Whatever this was, it smelled delicious until you set it on fire. Yep. 
And then, my God, you do it as that we killed somebody, you know? Right. So, yes, that is important. And it's like I said, you know, you and do not feel obligated because we love making infants and creating things and so on, that you have to do it too. Oh, so, but why not try something different? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But if you don't have the time or the energy or the patience or you live with young children who, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We'll get into anything. Sometimes you have to wait. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with our own incense. Well, that's that's probably something else that I would I would mention just from a safety point of view, too, is um, very rarely do I leave a room where incense is lit anyway. Generally, I'm I'm a little on the conservative side when it comes to fire in my home. So I uh, I don't feel as uncomfortable burning incense or our candles around children because i can be there to monitor them mm -hmm. um with me it's pets um i've had cats who like to play with candle flame and you end up with burnt cat paws and wax all over the table and you know not a fun ritual no and, and young children also tend to put stuff in their mouth and right. thinking is you're talking about your nice prescription models which hopefully you have up out of the way a lot of people recycle jars yep it can open jars, you know. So All if right. you have in your life, same with laundry pods or anything else, like household cleaning products, anything they can get into kids, little kids, put it up out of reach. Keep your incenses high, keep the herbs high, keep your candles out the way, you know. Don't don't them. don't store your resins in the sun. No, don't store your resins in the sun. All right. You know, basic stuff like that. <laughs> we tend to, to just wrap it up on the path. We tend to use incense on our altar. We tend to match it up to the season of the year or the type of ritual we're doing. And we do create our own. And we also use it in spell work. But that tends to be more of an individual thing. But enjoy it. That's the big part about incense. You know, pick stuff that you're not allergic to and burn away. Well, and as I mentioned, once you have some favorites and you start to use something consistently, it can become uh, a part of your practice. Yeah, and it does because your brain recognizes that, oh, it's time for a ritual. Right. All right. So, with that being said, may you find mirth and reverence in all things. Be safe, be kind, and be loved. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is taking care of you. Sounds like kind of a mundane thing to say, and maybe it is, but we on the path fully believe that if your body, mind, and spirit aren't in the right place, how are you going to enjoy your ritual and magic and have success at your magic besides? So, if I sound like your mother or your grandmother, I'm not going to apologize. Personally, I am taking care of rehabbing from a broken shoulder and upper left arm. So my patience and tolerance may not come through as much as I'd like it to in the morning, because regardless of what I do, if I move wrong, things hurt. Okay, with that being said, taking care of your body. As an older person who's responsible for a lot of different things with grandchildren, here you go. When was the last time you had your annual physical? If you're a woman of that age, when was the last time you had a mammogram? If you're a guy, did you have a prostate exam this year or last year or sooner rather than later? You know, maintenance and prevention is a lot better than trying to fix problems later on. If you're on medication for something, for example, high blood pressure, like I am, are you making sure you take your medications regularly? Are you adding a vitamin in the mix if you really feel called to do so? I mean, just eating better, making healthier choices, at least some of the time, is always a positive thing. And as we've talked about, I'm sure somewhere along the line, are you hydrated correctly? Are you drinking enough water just to feel better? Are you getting enough sleep? 
as a society, because we're so hooked into our electronics and everything else, we seem to lose track of time and discover that we've been on whatever social media, what this seems to be the order of the day, way later than we should be, or we're trying to get stuff done that we didn't have time to do because we were running around all day long or whatever. Um, I can say this because I'm kind of trapped right now because I can't drive. And a big part of my time was spent running hither and thither and yon behind all these grandchildren. And I can't do that right now. And I am discovering how I have never been getting enough sleep. And while I do not claim to have become perfect and fixed all that, I'm at least working on it because I'm aware. So look at yourself and see what you need to do for you today to take care of your body in the most effective way. Mentally, I'm not going to focus on too much if you need to find somebody to go talk to. And you know who you are. Make that appointment if it needs to be professional or just call a friend for coffee who you can successfully vent to for a while. We all have those times where we just need to dump our crap. And if we have somebody who's willing to at least semi-listen to us once we're rid of it, we think a little more clearly. You know, mentally, read something new today. Stretch your mind a little bit. Our mind needs exercise just as much as our physical does, they keep telling us. You know, and just think a little bit today about what you want to do and why. Spiritually, I'm going to tell you to have fun with your magic today and just do something magical because you want to. You know, if you want to run through our previous episodes and find one of our quick spells that you might want to try out or write your own, go ahead. You know, knock your socks off. I mean, for me, I'm just going outside in a few minutes with a coat on because it's 30-something here in upstate New York this morning, and it's windy. And let the air blow through me for a minute or two, or maybe longer, and get a little bit of mental clarity. I'm going to call to the element of air to assist me in that because I find that when I have clarity of mind, I feel more spiritual. I feel more connected to the world around me. And a big part of that is not taking on other people's stuff sometimes. You know, it seems to interfere with what I want to do. So with that being said, take a few minutes today and figure out how you can take care of you. And once you've figured it out, go do it. And if you're one of these people who needs permission, because I'm one of those generational caretakers and like kind of a natural caretaker on top of it, I'm going to give you the permission you need. So go take care of yourself, please. Until next time, may you find mirth and reverence in all things. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.